Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. What players do you think would bring back a first-round pick in a trade for the Panthers? How many? It's actually kind of a good way to think of which teams. It's you know it's hard ever to compare uh, players across different positions or overall team roster value, right? I, I've said this a few times where the only time a player ever knows exactly what their value is is when they're traded. Because in negotiations, right, you're trying to get more than your value or your agent is, and your team is trying to pay you less than your value. So there's like an argument on what you're worth, and it's not completely altruistic, right? You're you're out to get your best deal. So, so you don't know exactly what you're worth. You only know what you guys can agree on. When you're traded, it's like, no, this is how much we're willing to give up for you. This is how much we're willing to accept for you. So Jared Goff, when he was traded, he learned he minus two first-round picks equals Matt Stafford. That he learned his value, right? Because it was Jared Goff, two first for Matt Stafford. Uh, How many players on the Panthers do you think would be worth a first-round pick or more? Bill Barnwell, a longtime NFL reporter for ESPN, does a really good job with kind of thinking outside the box on his articles. He put on ESPN.com a list of all 102 players he thought would bring back at least a first-round pick in the NFL. That's a lot. Three of them were on the Panthers. Okay. Brian Burns, he said, would bring back two first-round picks. Hmm. Two. Okay. Bryce Young, one first-round pick and change. Okay. So in additional picks or additional players. Sure. J.C. Horn, one first-round pick. Really? Which I, I get because he – First of all, was what the eighth overall pick? Yeah, he was eighth. And when healthy, has played up to that living that 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 billing. That's true. When healthy, yeah. Key phrase there. When healthy. So a good team that expects their first to be late would probably give up a first for J.C. Horn, hoping that he would stay healthy long enough to help them contend. Once he comes back and proves that he's healthy and all those sorts of things. If you're the Panthers, you don't have a first round pick this year. If you decide you need one, which of those three are you parting with? Burns. I wouldn't trade Bryce Young because, no. of course not. <laughs> I wouldn't trade J.C. Horn because that would be an all-time sell low. You need to you need to let him play. You need to let him get two months of, of playing time consecutively to build his value up before you pull that trigger, or else you're just selling him for a discount. You don't want to give a dented can special to anybody. Unless someone does offer you a first-round pick right now for him. It would have to be, I think it would have to be a good first round. I'm not selling him for the 27th pick. No shot. Especially because if he plays well for a month, if he just goes out there and plays well for four games and shows he's healthy, mm-hmm. mid-first at the worst, right? Why would you give that value back when it's not like you need something right now? You're no good. And then there's Brian Burns. The reason why I have been saying, I am saying, and I will say, leading up to the trade deadline, which is 4 o'clock on Halloween, they need to trade Brian Burns is not because he is bad. But it is because he is good. 
The reason they have to trade Brian Burns is because he's the only one that's good enough to bring value back that'll that'll help. You need a first-round pick. You don't have one. The only two other guys that Barnwell says are worth, worth a first don't make sense to trade. It is undoubtedly not a great decision, or not a great position to be in. If you're a bad team, if you're 0-6, you want to be like, at least we have four first-round picks this year. You definitely don't want to say, at least we don't have any first-round picks this year. So you need to go get one. You need to, to restart the engines. You need to get youth. You need to get somebody that you might be able to agree on a contract with. Brian Burns is, is at this point, he just doesn't align with what you have as a team. And he might be able to bring you back a draft pick that is worth it. And if Barnwell is right and you can get two first-round picks, two? Yeah. Two? For a while, my son, who was two years old, mm-hmm. he could count up to two. He had one. He had two. Then who knows? what You might get a five. You might get a nine. He did one, two, six, nine, done. But because of that, because he only was certain about two, no matter what question you asked, you were getting two, right? He would just go, two? Would you like more? Two? How old is it? Two? Everything was two. I want to I, I want to have that same vibe right now. Two? You get two first-round picks for Brian Burns? Take it. If you can get two first-round picks for Brian Burns, take it. Earlier this week, I was advocating for a slow play. Wait till the market gets up. Wait till somebody gets desperate. Right up against the deadline when adrenaline's pumping. Use that to drum up the price higher and higher for a player like Brian Burns. If you get two first-round picks, yes, please. Absolutely, I would like those first-round picks. A trade we talked about earlier, the Matt Stafford for Jared Goff trade. That was a trade that came with two first-round picks, and the expectation was they were going to be 27-28, right? The expectation was they were going to be 32-29 and because the Rams were good, and the Rams won a Super Bowl. So one of those picks was really bad for a first-round pick. The next year, it was like the sixth overall because the Rams collapsed. If you can get first-round picks, even from good teams, there's no guarantee they're going to be good teams for the second first-round pick. If it, Like – you can do, ready for this, you can do what the Bears did to you. Yeah. Get multiple firsts and then root against them, and it might end up being a top pick, just like the Bears right now hold the number one overall pick in the draft because you gave it to them. The way it stands, the way all of it is situated right now, the Chicago Bears have the number one pick in the draft because you traded it to them in the Bryce Young trade. So you can imagine that number one pick is Caleb Williams, as Drake May, as Marvin Harrison Jr., whatever your your little brain wants to run off to and, and daydream about, it's what you gave them. Brian Burns gives you the opportunity to try to do that to someone else. Yeah, who knows what you can get with two first-round picks in 2025 because you'll have your own mm-hmm. and whomever that you trade with, mm. there's always the potential of you can package those up and move up you can move up to get that one guy that you need or if you feel like there's good value that you can get with multiple players, you can trade one of those first-round picks potentially move down in the draft, acquire more picks to get more assets and more players to put around Bryce Young I always thought, or build up your defense. And, and kind of along the lines of what you're saying, I always thought and I still think that acquiring a bunch of draft picks mm-hmm. is a flex by the GM. Yeah. 
you're saying either I'm going to make a great pick or I'm going to use these as currency, flip them for something else, and I'm going to get more value with my future moves than with these moves. I, I would be tempted. I'm confident, right? I would be tempted if I were fitter to say, watch what I do. You want that Kevin Costner, right? If you want to quit at the end of the day, go ahead and quit. But right now, let me do my job like the movie Draft Day. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete of Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, is it still true that a million is enough to retire on? Tim, maybe and maybe not. The most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive. We'll give that away to the next 10 people. Call right now. The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. Are college athletes employees? That's what That was being discussed on Capitol Hill. There's a Senate hearing. There's a special committee. Uh, there, there was witness testimony from uh, the Notre Dame athletic director, the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, advocacy groups from, from uh, those out there fighting for student athletes. Are, are college athletes, in particular football and men's basketball players, are they employees and do they deserve the protections and rights that employees are granted in this country? And we talked about it yesterday, maybe even two days ago, a little bit, um and and my argument was they are employees not because they should be employees but because they are because they they get value money compensation right mm-hmm. from the the school gives them uh in many cases underclassmen room and board they all get tuition they all get books they all get uh scholarship stipends they all get uh money for food they like they're compensated and if somebody is paying you to perform a task it sounds like an employee to me then we had uh yesterday for the numbers game one of our our questions early in the, the to decide who goes first for the numbers game which by the way is coming up about an hour from now i asked are they employees both said no we had another caller that called in and talked with with dennis off air mm-hmm. uh said they're not employees a couple on twitter got at me and said they're not employees and and again, you guys can all correct me if I'm wrong. I get the sense that the employee question is scaring diehard college football and co- college basketball fans because change is scary, right? And, and, you know, if you've been a diehard fan for 20, 30, 40, 50 years of college sports, for that 20, 30, 40, 50 years, the, the student athletes have not been employees. So you don't want it to change because you've really liked this thing over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Change is scary, right? I want to tell you all, don't be scared. Right? Like, like I'm not saying like face your fear. I'm saying don't be scared. If you grew up watching NC State football, if you grew up watching Duke or North Carolina basketball or any connection to any school, whatever your favorite is, don't be afraid that calling the student athletes employees is going to to take away or or don't be afraid if if your favorite thing is going to go away if players are given more rights and protections as employees. Don't do it. And the reason why I can say it so confidently is because we've watched it happen a few times already. We've watched it happen a few times already. College sports has gone through unprecedented change over the past three or four years. Unprecedented change. 
Like, if you really boil it down, it's crazy, right? Uh, transfer portal has become a thing. You can the world was just arguing almost in complete and total unison in favor of a player, Tez Walker, getting a second transfer. That's how much this this has changed. Name, image, and likeness has become a thing. There are backup quarterbacks making seven figures in college football. That doesn't happen anywhere else in history of college football. Player social media followings have blown up. They are legitimate celebrities now, not just big man on campus. Right? Like their celebrity is no longer like, oh, you know, on game day, he wears his Letterman jacket and everybody goes, way to go, and gives him a high five. It's like, hey, you have to take all your classes online because when you walk to class, you get mobbed for autographs. It's that kind of crazy. Media rights deals have gone off the rails. The ACC is giving dozens of millions of dollars in media money to each and every one of their participating universities, and there are multiple universities complaining about that not being nearly enough. College sports have changed exponentially in the last three, four, five years. It's a business. It is. But guess what? Has anything changed for you on college football Saturdays? Really think about it, right? Let's say you are a a submarine operator. That is your job. And you're like, but let's go submarine operator with like a 1949 submarine. Okay. Uh, So you don't have like Wi-Fi. I assume that that modern submarines can like, uh, you know, you can check your fantasy football team down there. Sure. Uh, So you're you're like, I'm talking the, the metaphorical submarine that you go underwater and you're disconnected from the world. You're a submarine operator, but your captain, whoever's leading the ship, is also a massive college football fan. So you go underwater Saturday night, and you pop up Saturday at noon, right? And and you all file into a bar to watch the games, and then you go right back in the submarine, you go down. So you don't get this conversation on Thursday, right? You don't get us talking about name, image, and likeness on Wednesday. You don't get NC State fans, uh, the Pack Therapy podcast, which I ho- host with Mike Glennon, talking about Casey Concepcion and that you better dole out the name, image, and likeness money now to keep him around for the next three or four years. Like, you, you, you don't get all of that. All you get is games. All you Heck, if, if you're, you're captain of the submarines feeling great, guess what you get to do? You pop up three or four hours early to watch a little uh, uh, college game day. Right, you get to watch the 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 player or the student kick for the the thirty grand or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Has anything changed for you? Nothing. The games are still the games. They still do the traditions after the game. They still play the alma mater. They still play the fight song. The players are still laying it on the line for each other. There's still stakes. Conference championships still matter. Rivalries still matter. It's the same. All of these overarching crazy changes that have happened that the old guard, the old timers all fought against. We don't want name, image, and likeness. We don't want the transfer portal. We don't want this. I hate social media. We don't want that. You fought against it all. Your Saturdays, your game days. If you want to be a fan in that way, nothing has changed. None of it. 
So what makes you think changing the designation from amateur student-athlete to employee student-athlete is going to suddenly upend everything and make your Saturday so much worse? Mm-hmm. Like like uh, um, Duke football, for the first time in Duke football history, got college game day earlier this year. Do you think it was like, oh, man, I wish we would have got game day back before name, image, and likeness because everything was so much better back. No, it was the same. It was the same. There were still the signs. You know, Dennis still got to wave the Washington State flag, yeah, the same did. same one that's been flying since, whatever, 1994, whenever it started flying originally, 280, 290-some-odd games ago. This is a question I've been asking for years, okay? You can go back to previous shows I've hosted in other markets. I'm sure I've probably asked it on this show. How has your college sports experience gotten worse by any of the changes made? Give me a tangible way it's gotten worse. Do you know what's the only semi-making sense answer I've gotten? And it's like, oh, really? You're going that far? They have a hard time remembering which number is which because players wear both of them. Like, there's a six on offense and a six on defense. Oh, yeah. That was the change that they called in. It was like, I legitimately get confused. If that's your biggest complaint about all of the changes over the last five years, of which there have been ground-shaking changes, I think we're doing all right. I think I, we're doing A-OK. I know a lot of people will say, well, it's the the haves and the have-nots. There's going to be further separation. I'm like, well, it's been like that for 30, 40 Perfect point. Years. Another one I get all the time is, oh, with, with this, the rich schools are going to win all the championships. Did you think, like, Texas San Antonio was winning national championships back in the day? Yeah. Do you know how much Alabama's football facility costs? A lot. $288 million. Well, what are we doing here? Do you think the the rich schools didn't have an advantage? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite examples is when Tua was a senior, or his last year, he may have come out early, I don't remember. Uh, his last year in, in Alabama, he had that tightrope surgery done on a high, uh, an ankle sprain. Yeah. He was flying to award shows on a private jet with a personal doctor to, like, massage his ankle to facilitate recovery faster so he could be ready to play in the bowl games. Think about that. Do you think the the have-not schools, whether they're paying name, image, and likeness or not, can afford to send their quarterback on a private jet with a personal doctor after having surgery to award shows on the East Coast, West Coast? No, not at all. The have-nots have always been the have-nots. The only difference is the money used to go to, like, contractors rather than the players. And, again, how does that affect your Saturday? Like, I, I watch um, – I mean, every big game in college football Saturday. Does it affect me at all that the quarterback drives drives home in a nicer car to a two-bedroom rather than a one-bedroom that he shares with three buddies? He now has a two-bedroom apartment to himself? Does that affect me at all? It does not. No. There's the... There's the other side of the conversation, though, when it actually does come to... If, if you actually do grant student-athletes employment status, mm-hmm. what sports... Are you going to actually consider as employees? Like, if you're doing across the board, then you have to take into consideration, okay, there's equal pay because you have men's and women's sports, so, like, equal pay for equal work. You know, how are you defining that? If, a, if a, for example, NC State, North Carolina, East Carolina, 
App State are all state schools. Mm-hmm. So do each of those employees, like, are they in a certain pay range because they are part of the state university system? So there's so much that goes into all these things from an employment standpoint uh, regarding that, which is a whole deeper issue. Then also as well, like, if I'm an athlete and I maybe want to transfer and go to another mm-hmm. school, well, does that completely eliminate the transfer portal? Am I locked into a contract? How does that all work, too? There's a lot of minutiae that's got to be figured out and all that. I see the Again, way that's the other side of the coin. But see, the way you're I talking think about, of it is keep it exactly how it is. Just, they're just employees. So if you're on scholarship, yeah, you are getting paid whatever the value of a scholarship is, mm-hmm. right? Like if if you are like it's it's if you want to go into how much is everyone getting paid? If you want to open it up to like you can sign contracts, sure. But that's a completely other conversation. Oh, that's right? what I mean. Yeah, and, and the other and, side of the coin. And by the way. Um, I've never once made a decision to be like, hey, the administrator should have less paperwork. Like, <laughs> that's kind of what they like. That's what administrators are there to. They need to administrate. Yeah. So, like, if they got to figure out some things, they got to figure out some things. If it's better for the players and more paperwork for the the paper pushers, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Hey, let's do what's better for the athletes. At Wake Med MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year primary care and urgent care under one roof multiple locations virtual visits walk in or schedule an appointment online from annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection strep or the flu we couldn't be more convenient learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org 